Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Dave Lee, so without further ado, here he is. Good morning. Happy Thanksgiving. You guys alright? What's up? Happy Thanksgiving. You guys doing alright? Just a little snow and you guys are supposed to be Chicagoans. Suck it up a little bit. Come on. All right. Snow is a good thing. It reminds us that change is inevitable. Reminds us that life doesn't have to be comfortable to be good. Reminds us that sometimes when outside gets tough, the inside also has to get tough. Amen? So let's act like Chicagoans and stop crying over a little snow. Either that or move to California. No offense to the Californians. (laughs) All right. This morning, we're going to take a break from our Life on Life series. And uh, I want to just give you a Thanksgiving message. But as soon as I read the text, I think I'm going to need to give you a few words of explanation. So let's look at the text. It's Romans 1, 18 through 21. And by the way, if you're new, my name is Dave. And it's my privilege to serve as lead pastor here at Harvest. Um, Romans 1, 18 to 21. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. I'm not sure how we got Greek. What, what happened there, dudes? What's going on with our fonts? It's, it's all Greek to me, but... All right, disregard what's on the screen. Because <clears throat> that's, that's not even Greek. That's Greek letters doing the English. It's ridiculous. All right, so here we go. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Like I said, I'm going to give you a few words of explanation because it's not lost on me that that's an awfully heavy text for a Thanksgiving sermon Thanksgiving is supposed to be, isn't life awesome? And thank you, Jesus, right? And that's part of it. I don't want to temper that at all. But when I prayed for weeks about what to preach at Thanksgiving, this is the passage God would not let go of in my heart. It's what I believe he gave us. And so I'm going to be faithful to what I believe is the conviction of God. And I want to just share these words with you. The sermon won't be as heavy as the text, but it still is going to be a little heavy. I'm going to especially key in on verse 21, and if while I'm talking you guys could scramble and turn the Greek to English, I would be so grateful. Thank you. Typically, Thanksgiving is a time when we pause from day-to-day life, and we do an inventory of all our blessings, and we think about all the good things we have, all the, the nice people we know, and we start to thank God and thank other people. And that's a big part of what Thanksgiving is. I'm not mocking it. I'm not being sarcastic about it. 
we do that in our family. We pause and we think about all the stuff that we are blessed with, and we say, thank you, God. And then we look at the people we owe a debt to, and we say, hey, I am grateful for you as well. You've been a big part of my life. You've been faithful to me, and I'm thankful for you. And for most of us in middle-class America, that's a long list. That inventory is like Costco. You know what I'm saying? Like there's so, once you get started thinking about all the blessings in your life, you really can get going, can't you? But it's always worried me that the way we do Thanksgiving is so rooted to the things we have and the people we like. It's always concerned me a little bit that the spirit of Thanksgiving is so tied to the state of our affairs. And the reason that worries me is because we don't always go through high season. There are times when our financial situation, our relationships, our physical health, even something as mundane as the condition of our car is really on the rocks and you are trying to come up with a list of things you're happy about and it's really hard to come up with that list, isn't it? If Thanksgiving is tied to all the good things you have, what happens when you're going through a season when there isn't a lot of good stuff in your inventory? But there's not a lot of money in the bank. There's not a lot of love in your family. There's not a lot of life in your soul. What then do we do when we go to church and there's all this food and everybody's saying thank you, thank you, and in your heart you're shriveling because you're like, what should I be thankful for? If Thanksgiving is counting my blessings, I got nothing. I'm coming up empty. I've looked, I've scratched at the walls of the storehouse, and right now in my life, there just isn't that much to say thank you for. And I get that because I think that I have had seasons in my life where it felt very much like that. Maybe for some of us, that's exactly where we are right now. Is that we're trying to get into the Thanksgiving spirit, but if we're honest about it, we're going to grin and bear it and grit our teeth through this holiday. But right now, there's not a lot to be happy over. There's even a disorder, a mood disorder, that's related to the holidays because everyone else around us is being festive, but the party is not happening in here, right? In Romans 1, what Paul is explaining is this. He says, God revealed himself to us, and one of the primary ways he did it, one of the first ways we're introduced to God, is through the wonder of creation. He says that when you look at the earth, and the sky, and the sea, and the mountains, God is saying, look, I exist. All the stuff you see around you begs the question, where did it come from? Who made all of this? It's as if our hearts demand an answer to that question, where is all this from? And the answer written all through creation is, it didn't just pop into existence. Someone has made it. I guess another way of saying it is, Before we meet God as our personal deity, we meet him as almighty God, creator of everything. Look at the way that verse 20 is rendered in the NLT. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky, and through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities. 
his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Now, I don't think I look at a mountain and I think, oh, Jesus died for my sins. I don't think I make that connection right away. But I begin there in my relationship with God. I'm introduced to God by realizing that my first brush with him is as almighty God who stands over all things and he has made everything that I see. I, I think that's why for a lot of us, it's easier to connect to God out in nature. How many of you feel that very much? Like, like you'd rather be in the woods in a campsite on a canoe on a, on a quiet lake and out there, right, you sense God. Sometimes in a classroom or in a cafeteria, while some boring guy is talking, you're like, God, show up, man. I, I, it's so hard to see you. But sometimes out there, seeing the earth and sky, mountains and sea, it's easier to conjure up this idea in our hearts that there is a God in heaven. And the important thing in that moment is he's bigger than what I'm going through. If I lose my touch with that God, then the personal God starts being unintelligible to me. I guess maybe another way of saying it is, if I am losing my connection to God as the one true God, maker of heaven and earth, then the the local God, the micro God, the God who knows me in my own personal life, starts to feel less and less powerful. And some of us wonder why we feel far from God, and it's because I think sometimes we get it in the wrong order. We try to see God by looking only at our own lives and our own circumstances. But the truth is that an infinite God cannot be bound up in what's happening in my individual life. If God is almighty and infinite, I cannot understand what he's like simply through the boundary markers of my own existence. That doesn't make any sense because God is greater than what I've gone through in my 48 years of life. I've seen a lot of God, but I haven't seen everything of God. My world travels have opened up my sense of who God is, but even then, vicariously through the lives of others, I can't see everything about God. And so there's a point at which I have to stop looking right in front of me and have to look out at the heavens and realize the God I'm meant to know personally is the same God who has made the heavens and the earth. The danger of doing it in reverse order is that when we only look for God in our personal lives, sometimes the view of God is blocked by what's happening to us. Look what it says in Romans one twenty-five, a few verses after our text, is that they traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshipped and served the things God created instead of creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. That means is, if we try to understand God by looking at our lives, sometimes what's going to happen is we're going to start pushing God to the side and get obsessed with what's happening in our lives. I think that's where a lot of us are. We're studying our lives and saying, how do I make sense of God when this is what my life looks like? But do you know what the Bible teaches us to do instead? He says, look at me and then try to understand your life. Let me explain how this works, okay? 
sometimes we say things like this. When I look at the chaos of my life, how can God possibly be in control? When I look at the storms in my life right now, how how wrong everything is going, how could God possibly be loving? How could he possibly be good? How could he possibly care about me? And when I study my own broken life and try to make sense of God, the consequence will be God is, and I'll start to make up things about God that simply aren't true because I'm trying to describe God by what's happening to me. I think a better approach is to look at God and say, the God who has made the stars that have not flickered out, the God who makes the mountains and the seas, I mean, I think the kids' songs have got it right. You know how you guys all hate doing the motions? Just ra- do one motion for me. Raise your hand if you hate doing motions. All you guys, you, please. But they have it right. You see God in the mountains and the stars in the sky and the waves of the ocean. In those places, you see God. You don't see the God who's summed up in my experience, but you see the God who made everything, who is big enough to stand over all of it and say, I am still right here. And when I see that God, I can say things like, despite all the stuff that's happening to me down here, God remains firmly in control. I'm shaken, but God is not shaken. I don't see hope at the end of this tunnel, but God does. I can't make a way, but God can make a way. If I try to understand God by looking at my life, I will end up with a very, very bad picture of God. But if I try to understand my life by looking at God, hope will rise. I told you I was going to key it on verse 21. I don't know what's going to happen here. Seeds is going to be messed up. But I'm on the last page of my notes already. Pray that I don't, like a gas, expand to fill the container. Because it's possible. But look at what verse 21 says. They looked at the sky, the earth, the sea, the mountains, and God and his existence was written large for all of us to see. It's lunacy to believe all of this just popped up out of nowhere. That takes greater faith than to believe in a maker. I will stand by that argument all day long. And what he says is, these people saw God and they made an important choice. Though they knew that God exists, they wanted to take it no further. And what they began to say was, They wouldn't worship him as God, and they wouldn't give him thanks. And that's really where where I'm pulling this text in as a thanksgiving message. Because I think something critical happens to our souls when we stop giving thanks to God. When it says they wouldn't worship him as God... It means they wouldn't honor him for who he is. They said things in their heart like, he's not able. He's not powerful. He's not in charge. I don't answer to him. He can't tell me what to do. He didn't make any of this. And these things that are true of God, at some point people make a decision about where they stand with him. 
And when we begin to make statements like that, we're doing exactly what is described here. We are not honoring God for who he is. And when we don't worship God as God, the next step is we stop giving thanks. And I don't think the gratitude described in this verse is just, oh, we stop giving thanks for the good things he's given. We stop giving thanks for the fact that God Almighty knows our name. That a God we should have no hope of knowing has loved us and wants to know us. Now, I I know that sometimes words like that make you feel numb. I was in that place just very recently. When I thought about God, when I interacted with God, I was starting to sense that my God was getting very small and life down here was getting very big. I was starting to lose the sense of wonder and reverence and worship for God. I have been walking with many of you. We have been down here in the muck and mire of the trenches and we're fighting through life. But sometimes getting so entrenched down here disconnects us from the mighty God who exists out here. And that's happening to me. And I was hearing all the suffering and the struggle and the pain and it was affecting me. I'm discovering in my older age that I'm, I have a high degree of empathy. I didn't realize I had that much, but I, can't, I lose my appetite. I can't sleep as I bear burdens with you. And as I walk with many of you through this life down here, I was starting to lose sight of my God. And so I canceled a bunch of stuff, and I ran away. <laughs> This past week, I do this sometimes, and I ran away to a Catholic seminary up in Mundelein, very close to where I grew up. In fact, let me show you a picture of the room, this simple room. I get so blessed every time I look at a picture of this room because I I was God's prisoner in that place for three days and two nights. I barely left that room for anything. And what I felt like I needed to do was just become his prisoner and sit with him and shut everything else out. Unfortunately, they have blazing fast Wi-Fi there, so I had to shut everything down, resist the temptation to be plugged in. And I was just on one mission. I needed to see God again because I was starting to feel like maybe he isn't powerful. Maybe there isn't that much to be thankful for because I see all the pain. I see all the struggle, the places where people are stuck and they can't get out. I'm so burdened by it. And it was starting to infect me with this kind of hopelessness. And all I asked God was, will you show me again who you are? And I'll confess in honesty, I I wish I could just tell you, and within the first hour, God parted the sky and angels came riding down a ladder. But that first night, I just got a lot of sleep. I detoxed from everything. I I just rested. I sat quiet. I thought. But the next morning, it was unusually warm Thursday. That was before the blizzard of Friday. And uh, I had the windows open. The sun was pouring through the window. And I was sitting at that chair on the desk, looking out the window. 
And I had been reflecting on a passage of scripture for about an hour and nothing was happening. You guys ever been there? Tell me it's not just me. I was just reading the same words. I'm like, and then, like, as I'm staring out the window, something really amazing happened to me. And if you've been in this place, you know what I'm saying. Like, there was a sense of the presence of God so strong, I felt it. I don't know if that makes any sense to some of you, but, like, it was like I wasn't alone in the room, and there was a comfort that just came over me. Um, I actually took a picture of that moment because there was something in that moment. Just looking out there, I, I can't. I don't know if this picture does anything for you. It does something profound in me. In that moment, what I felt was, why would God know me? I just don't understand, like why He cares about what I do, who I am. What am I to him in the screaming cries of seven billion people? And yet I felt like his whole presence was just in that room in Mundelein with me, and I didn't understand why I would get that privilege. And in that room, in that moment, I just felt like he was enough, like he's going to be big enough, he's going to be strong enough, I don't have to give up hope. It's okay to walk with people through the unending darkness of what they're going through. Because at the end, God lives and he's very real and he's present with us. I am so thankful to God for the moment that I experienced in that place where I took that picture. The timing couldn't have been better. I wasn't expecting... To have a testimony like that, I'll tell you very honestly, going in on Wednesday, what I was expecting is I'm going to have to put on the act of my life on Sunday. I'm going to have to stand there with a smile and tell people, God is good and let's be thankful. This morning, what I'm saying to you is this. I have discovered that the greatest thanksgiving is not for all the stuff he gave me, and he gave me a lot. The greatest thanksgiving is rendered to God in moments like this where he shows us himself. He says, never mind all the toys I gave you and the nice people that treat you well. Do you know that I know you and I love you and I care about you and I know your name? That nothing that happens to you is missed by me. I see you. Every time you pray, I hear every word. Every time you worry, I'm enough to take away that worry and that fear. And so my encouragement, my invitation to you is this. This Thanksgiving, yes, indeed, count your many, many blessings and say thank you to God. And think about all the people who have meant something to you and you say thank you to them as well. But beg God to bring you to a place where you're able to have a moment like this and to realize the most enriching, wonderful gratitude you can express to God is when you're thankful to God for himself and not for what he's given. Just the fact that he knows you and loves you and cares about what happens to you. 
That to me is an amazing thing. And if you're bearing burdens and you're struggling, you need to go away and have a moment like this. In fact, I can't recommend this place highly enough. I'll tell you one thing I appreciate about Catholic people is that there is such a strong tradition of silence and solitude that they will leave you alone. You can get a meal plan there and sit in the cafeteria and sit at a table by yourself and just want to be with God and everyone will leave you alone. God bless the Catholic people. Just leave you alone. They're like, this dude wants to be by himself. If it were a Protestant or evangelical retreat center, 10 people would have walked up to me like, are you lonely? Can I sit with you? And I'm like, please, just go away. I just, I want to be with God. So I, I'm just going to give that to you. And walking around seeing people in nuns' habits and monks' robes, it's like being transported in time to another century. It's a no-frills room. It's quiet. I pull in, and every time I've pulled in, the same thing has happened to me. A deer has been standing in the road. I'm like, whatever, let's just sit here. And you go on, deer. And I wait till the deer is done standing in the road and then just walks away. I'm like, this, right away, it's like God is going, don't you dare rush into this place. I'm going to put a deer at the front gate just to slow your butt down. And it happens. I can't believe every time. It might even be the same deer. If you want to find out how to get a room here, ask me. And if it's been a long time since you've had a moment like I described. Well, it had been a very long time since I had that kind of moment. But I know this about God. He doesn't like staying hidden from us. He's not running away from any of us. If God feels far away, you've just got to cry out to him. You've got to want him. Look for him. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Stop complaining. Stop being angry at God and run to your father. Tell him you want him, you miss him, you need him. Carve out time and space in your life to say everything else is second. God is first for these three days. He matters supremely. I can't guarantee you you'll have that moment, but I can tell you your chances are much higher pursuing him that way than staying where you are. And if it's been a while since your heart flowed over with gratitude just for who he is. I want to encourage you to chase God. It's one thing to be thankful for stuff. It's another feeling altogether to just be thankful for God himself. My heart feels very full. And I wish as a preacher I wasn't bound to words. I wish I could shoot rays out of my eyeballs and make you feel what I feel right now. I wish so badly that that were a gift. But I can't. But I think God can. And he wants to give you your own moment. Would you strongly consider, before the end of the year, setting aside time to chase God? You'll catch him. He wants to be caught. And that gratitude is gratitude that will sustain you through everything. Because I promise you, if you're happy today, there's a day ahead of you where you won't be. I promise you that. Anyone 20 years and younger, hear me now. You're so happy right now. 
But days are coming when you'll be shaken to your soul. You'll wonder how you're going to live through it. Meet God. Chase him. He's enough for those days. Why don't we bow together? And if I could just ask the praise team a favor, I don't know what songs you have planned, but if we could sing the love of God again, I'll be your best friend. I realize how kind God is because he didn't have to show up in the three days I set aside to chase after him. But he showed up and he showed up big for me. So I want to just invite you to think about all the things you're thankful for. And if the presence and love power of God for you are not on the top of that list. That's his invitation to you this Thanksgiving. So let's take a moment and just commune with God. Sit still in front of him. Let him speak to you. And just ask him this. Would you put in my heart a longing for you, a desperateness for you, eyes only for you. Let's pray that together right now just for a few moments. It's possible that this morning you came to church in the midst of a season of just weariness and pain. You walked in here carrying a lot of fears and a lot of weight on your shoulders. Maybe you walked in here ready to just quit on everything. And God is shrinking because you are looking so closely at your life that you've taken your eyes off of him. If that's where you are, receive this warning from scripture. Worship God for who he is and give your thanks to him. Or it will lead to your rejection of God and God's rejection of you. And that is not what he wants for you. Take your eyes for a moment off of your life and dwell on God who is almighty. Know that he is powerful enough. Nothing scares him or defeats him. That same God is in control of your life. Never say, God, you haven't blessed me. Because on the worst day of our lives, he has given us Jesus. 
Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.